Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champs? What's good? My name is Morgan Colby. I got Rick Lemon with me as always. What's popping? What's up? What's up? Uh, it has been an interesting, fun off season, um, but I'm so glad it's over soon uh, because I'm so tired of the off season. <laughs> I love, yeah, uh, I love the it's, NFL. It's it's good to have it back. Every day I think about it, uh, and I'm like football, football. It's fun for the off season to exist and be back, but it's more fun for football to be back. The only thing that's fun, realistically, about the offseason, A, is the NFL draft. I love the NFL draft. And then B, is uh, mock draft, I mean, uh, draft month, not mock draft month, draft month, where we get to prep for our fantasy football leagues, because this is the most, I, I would say, like, in season, there's a lot of decisions to make. You got to make trades, you got to do all this stuff. But this is, like, where you get to build your team, actually, and... You know, it's always funny, uh, like, we're going to have this experience on Sunday, but, like, you come into the draft party not having a team, and then you leave with a team. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at it going, okay, now I got a roster. This is what my team looks like this year. Right. And everyone's filled with hope until, like, week five. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. And then Rick loses. Then your hope is destroyed when what's Bruce your, Hall carries an ACL and Jamar Chase goes down with the What was your team name last injury? year? Weekly injury report. I don't know what it was in the beginning of the year, but it wasn't that. <laughs> it changed to that. So uh, anyway, um, we are getting into the final. We're final countdown, final days uh, to the NFL season. Um, so it should be fun and interesting as we enter into uh, the final draft weekend and and you know the final weekend without football for a long time. So uh, it should be interesting. But we got some players to target. Uh, in the late rounds on this episode, we're going to talk about five players targeting in the late rounds and uh, and get those guys to you. I know this is not rounds 11 to 15. Um, it's going to be around 6 to 10. So it's really like the mid rounds. Yeah. Um, so if you're clicking into this video and you're enraged because we didn't tell you to take uh, Rasheed Rice at pick, you know, 140, um, <laughs> <laughs> then whatever. But uh, yeah, so um, and then maybe at the end of the show, we can kind of talk about what our you know strategies are for rounds 11 to 15 and what guys we usually take in that vicinity. Um, but sure. anyway, uh, before we jump into that, check our website, fantasychampions.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platforms, please leave a review and share this pod with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like and comment down below any questions uh, you may or may not have for us. Um, so let's talk about these players to target and kind of continue that discussion that we were having on the last episode um, and talk about these five guys that, you know, once you hit round six to 10, it, typically depending on the type of league that you're in, I would say most standard leagues, uh, not standard as in the points per reception or whatever, but most leagues have the same kind of breakdown. You know, you have one quarterback, you have two running backs, you have two wide receivers, right? Um, and then typically you have a flex spot. So by the time you reach round seven to 10, you're really drafting for your bench in most cases. Um, and you're yep. drafting to build up some players that potentially have breakout or some floor plays that you can play in case somebody gets hurt. Like it's really a preparational area 
of your draft. So we're going to talk about some guys that we really, really like in this vicinity um, who might end up getting into your starting lineup or if you have two flexes like one of our leagues does. Yeah, um, you they'll know, probably be your second flex. You'll probably be your second flex or your first flex or, you know, somewhere in that, that spot. So, um, we're going to talk about five players that we're targeting in the late rounds and we're going to start it off with Mike Williams, who is, and some of these guys, by the way, are not guys that we've talked a million times about. Thank God. It's not, it's some, some new guys, guys some new guys here. So, okay. but anyway, Mike Williams is a guy that we've talked about in mock drafts. We haven't really spent time on him in the actual, like show show in terms of a specific episode where he has a, a segment, but um, he's always been a really good player. You know, I talked about on the last episode, you know, I, re- I referenced Aaron Jones being the Mike Williams at the running back position. Mike Williams does this thing in fantasy football. I'm actually going to pull up his player profile or profile and, and, uh, and tell you what he does. He does this thing where people kind of, you know, for years we've kind of anticipated Mike Williams to jump up into this conversation where he gets maybe a higher target share and, um, you know, provides a more consistent output on a week to week basis. It just never happened. Um, and Mike Williams, you know, he's been a guy that people like, but he just hasn't had that like consistent season where he can jump into like the top 10 and be, you know, uh, you know, I'm assuming that he's, has he had a top 10 wide receiver season? He has. Oh, no, he hasn't. 2021, he, has he was wide receiver had, 12. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, you just look at it on a on a game-by-game game basis with this guy. Um, just taking a look at the game logs from the 2022 season, right? Uh, he played um, in several games. He missed some time, but in the games that he did play, he had three points week one, 25 points week two, eight points week three, 19 points week four, 23 points week five, three points week six, 21 points week seven week 11 he had two then he had 23.6 in week 14 10 in week 15 11 in week 16 16 in week 17 and seven in week 18 so as you can see there is a roller coaster with mike williams that you have to yeah. ride some weeks he's going to get three points some weeks he's going to get 24 um and the boom potential of Mike Williams, if you build out the rest of your roster to survive a three-point game, the boom of Mike Williams is a benefit. Because if you he's put gonna him, win you weeks. He's gonna win you weeks. Points. If he has last year he had a he had a 25 point game in week two. If you have him in your lineup and he scores 25 points, right? At your second flex. At your second or your flex, flex or your first flex, that is a huge benefit to your fantasy yeah. team. And it gives you it makes up like if you expect 25 points out of both your flexes for the week and Mike Williams does it in one, then you're good. So I think that, you know, that's the benefit of having Mike Williams is the boom weeks, but you have to swallow the bad weeks along with it. Um, You know, and he's a guy that you're, you know, getting in the sixth round somewhere around that vicinity. So, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're not, you're still going to have to pay up for him. He's probably going to end up in your starting lineup as a flex. It's in some way, shape or form, but um, he's a dude that, has some significant upside. The only other thing I wanted to say on him was what I had him um, projected at for fantasy football this year. Um, I have him at 130 targets, 85 catches, and uh, 219 fantasy points. So seven touchdowns, 930 yards. So he's wide receiver 19 on my list um, for projections. But uh, assuming injuries happen and other stuff happens, right. um, he could jump into and he plays the full season. He could jump into like wide receiver fourteen or fifteen, be a mid range wide receiver too. I mean, that would be a huge 
home run if that happens. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be ideal. So, but he has a lot of upside. He has a high, you know, a high ceiling with those boom games. Um, I almost kind of compare him to like an AJ Brown light. He's not as good after the catch as AJ Brown, but like the way no, AJ Brown it's, plays, with he's similar. Yeah, with the explosive plays that he has, it's similar with AJ Brown. Where it's like if you, he's had- kind of a, he's also kind of like a Devonte Parker. But oh, yeah. Devontae Parker in his Be- prime. But better. <laughs> yeah, or be- just a better original. Just a better yeah. per- he- He's Devontae the jump Parker's ball machine. Like Mike Williams. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a better way to put it. Yeah. And Mike Williams, I mean, we saw what he did in 2021 when Herbert had that great year. He was wide receiver, he was a low end wide receiver one. Yeah. And he was like, he was still boomer bust, but his, his booms were like 30 plus points, right? Right. And then last year, he kind of disappointed a little bit, had some injuries. And I think people are, because of that, are back to being out on him after being in on him the year before that. And kind of felt like he finally had broken out. But last year, you know, he had some injuries and Herbert, I think only threw a, what, like 20 something touchdowns last year, which was a career low for him. Yeah. I want to say like 24 or 25. Uh, he threw 25 touchdown passes the year before that he threw 38. So that alone slowed down Mike Williams. But if you looked at his points per game last season, which I think is a good stat to always look at, um, mm-hmm. especially for wide receivers. Yeah. He was wide receiver 22, which is a lot better than wide receiver 32, 10 spots higher than where he finished. Um, and if you want to take Michael Thomas out there, because he only played three games, yeah, then he would be wide receiver 21, which now you're talking about a wide receiver too. And for where he's getting drafted, mm-hmm. he's getting drafted a lot lower than that. I want to say he's getting drafted as like the wide receiver, like 20 something or 30. Uh, I have to do the math on that, but it's pretty low. It's pretty low for what the type of player that he is. And you're getting a guy who, as you said, can explode for 25 plus in a week to play in your flex spot and maybe even your bench, depending on if you can get him later. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's the perfect flex type of player. Yeah especially if you can stack him with Herbert. I mean, mm-hmm. that feels like a home run pick every single time. Um, and even if you don't get Herbert or he's your wide receiver two or something, if you have a really good wide receiver one, he could compliment that guy a lot because if he gets you like the five point weeks, you could still be okay. If you have a really solid wide receiver one, you take somebody in the first or second round mm-hmm. um, and then wait later in the draft to get your second guy, Mike Williams, would still be fine because then the weeks where he does get you 20 plus points and you're going 20 plus of the receiver position and the rest of your team is already good because that's where you invested. Yeah. Um, then that's also a great scenario. So having Mike Williams on your team, I think is just uh just a good pick, especially with the wide receivers going around him on sleeper. I think he's by far the best receiver mm-hmm. option there. You can make an argument for a couple guys, but yeah, I would put him number one on that list. And I think there's a reason he's number one on our list. Okay. Um, all right, so the second guy that we have on this list is Javante Williams, who uh, clearly, obviously, is coming off that ACL injury um, <laughs> where he shredded his whole knee in half. Um, and what week was that in, by the way? It was, or I think it was like week three or four. Yeah, uh, let me look. Week four. So that was fairly early into the season, so he's had a long time to kind of prepare um, get ready and heal up. And obviously the first season back for running backs, uh, isn't always typically amazing, uh, in terms of recovering from the ACL injury. Like 
I would honestly say like the 2024 season is probably if he ends up being good, is probably the season where he'll he'll get back yeah. to what he could do. But there's still some upside here. The problem is is that I don't really think Javante Williams has truly had any form of like a breakout yet. Um because no. there was there was points in like at the end of his rookie season where you know he was you know from week I would say from like week 12 to week 18 he had a lot mm-hmm. of really good games um and and that showed his potential which is why everyone was kind of talking about him going into last year and then obviously he comes into the game he you know he gets a lot of opportunity and um and then he doesn't you know at least early in the season, he got a lot of opportunity and then he ends up tearing his ACL. So um, we obviously want to see him succeed, but there's nobody really in that backfield anymore for the Denver Broncos. You know what I mean? Like if you take a look Maji at their, P. Ryan. they got Samaji P Ryan as the backup, as the backup running back right now. And so it, it's clear to me that Javante Williams is going to come in and be, you know, the, the featured running back for, the Denver Broncos. It depends on what Sean Payton chooses to do in the past. He's really liked to split workload. Um, and I look at Samaji P Ryan kind of as a pass catching running back. So to me, the way that I would kind of break this down for Javante is, you know, he's still going to get pass catching work. Um, he was 73rd percentile in college, uh, with that target share. But, and last year, even the early part of the season, he had a lot of targets to start, but, I think that he's going to be a guy that they utilize on the ground a lot, like around 220 to 250 carries some in a similar way. They use, they utilize Mark Ingram with the saints. Um, and then, you know, you're also going to see some target share go his way as well. So there, if he stays healthy, there's going to be a large workload for Javante Williams. And when you're talking about a running back in the sixth round with a large workload, that's a guy you want on your team. That's what you're looking for. Like for me, I'm not looking for potential breakouts or guys that have low workloads that could get some target share. And be, I'm looking for guys that are going to get over 250 carries, right? And if you get over 200 or not 250 carries, but over 250 touches, if you if you're a guy that right. gets over 250 touches and getting drafted in the sixth round, that's a really good value, and it provides you a great ceiling. So even if efficiency is down for Javante, there's still some ceiling play for him, and I think it, you know. If you're talking about, you know, we've talked about on our last show, the potential of a draft strategy where you take two wide receivers earlier, you go zero, you know, zero uh, running back early. This is going to be one of the guys that you target. Or if you draft a running back and then a several wide receivers on top of that, you would go with Javante as well uh, to shore up your second spot. But even if that's not the case and you get a backup running back out of it, that's fine too. I think Javante has a ceiling. I don't know. I don't want to say like, like, cause I don't think he's going to break out this year. I really don't. Um, I, I, I'm not sure he can reach the top 10, but like if he can, I think it's a win for him if he reaches the top 18. Yeah. And he's getting drafted as RB 29 on sleeper. Yeah. So you're drafting him to be a bench running back. You're drafting him to probably be your RB three, maybe your second flex. And I think that's pretty good because I agree. I, I don't see him being a top 10 running back this year coming off that torn ACL. I think yeah. next year maybe we could see that. Um, and there's all, there's been reports that although he is expected to be ready week one, that he's probably going to be on a pitch count to start the season. They're yeah. going to kind of ease him into his role. So we could see week one and week two, week three, him only getting like 10 carries, you know, yeah, 10 carries, like three or four, maybe like three catches. And then you just got to hope for some touchdowns. But yeah. 
I think he's capable of it. And I think by the end of the season, we could be seeing some similarities to his rookie season where he's just going off week after week. Um, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about guys coming off ACLs, especially after Dobbins last year, but he has a lot of opportunity there still. I don't believe in Samaji P. Ryan. I know there's a lot of P. Ryan people out there. I think he's a fine pass catching running back, but he's not going to be anything crazy. First couple weeks, we might see him get more carries than Javante, but I think that will change quickly as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, and being as the RB29, the risk factor on him is not that high. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're drafting yeah, him in the Brees Hall yeah. range where he's like the RB4, as you've mm-hmm. brought this comparison out um, in the past. Not RB4, sorry, fourth round. Um, we're drafting him in the eighth round. So mm-hmm. there's big differences there, or maybe seventh round, I guess, in a 12 team, maybe the end of the seventh in that range but either way um he's got opportunity to still be a very good rb2 and i think the value is there there is some risk there is 100 percent some risk there but the reward i think much outweighs the risk yeah yeah totally agree um okay let's move to the next guy who is number three pat fryermuth I love Pat Fryermuth. I've liked Muth for a while. Um, I actually like Rick is Rick kind of thinks this. He still thinks the Steelers are going to suck, but I've been flipping back and forth. I'm not sure how I feel about the Steelers. Um, I think Kenny Pickett's definitely going to be improved, but either way, Pat Fryermuth. The one thing that he provides is a high ceiling in terms of of touchdowns. And um, if they get into the red zone and they toss it up to Pat Fryermuth and he catches 10 touchdown passes, obviously you're going to want some of that because uh, in fantasy football, finding tight ends is extremely hard. Um, So I think, you know, he kind of reminds me of like early days, TJ Hawkinson, where, you know, a lot of people were in on, you know, Travis Kelsey and they're in obviously and in on, you know, some other guys that are at the top um, of the draft. And then you had some, you know, you had Hawk floating around in like the seventh to 10th round and, you know, you were able to get him on the cheap, but he still had a good target share and he still had good production on a week to week basis. So, I think that's the way that I look at Pat Frymuth. I think he's a guy that probably will get anywhere between nine and 11 points on a week to week basis at the tight end position, which is more than you can ask for if you don't have Travis Kelsey on your football team, I mean, on your fantasy team. Um, so it's like, you know, I like Pat Frymuth in that sense. And then I also think he provides a breakout like ceiling where he could finish in the top five in fantasy football and put together a really, really good fantasy football season um, that basically you know helps you win your league because you were able to get a cheaper tight end instead of being one of the dudes that has to invest in Travis Kelsey or um yeah Travis Kelsey you know uh Mark Andrews and George Kittle or somebody in that vicinity or spending a little bit more to go get Kyle Pitts um you know which I think he's in the fifth round or something like that but like Pat Fryermuth is definitely a cheaper option and a guy that could probably he has just as good a chance to do what Kyle Pitts is going to do. So um, I like, I like Pat Fryermuth in that region. I think he's, I think he'd be a good draft selection. No, I agree. And I, I think um, I still have like the the top tight ends ahead of him. As you were mentioning guys like Kittle, Pitts, Waller, I think Goddard as well. Yeah. But of that next tier, that Evan Ingram and Joku Fryermuth tier, I think Fryermuth is probably the best option there. Um, we saw he was very, very, very solid last season and finishes the tight end eight with a quarterback duo of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. That was one of the worst in the league. Yeah. Um, and you expect Kenny Pickett to take that jump here too. 
And even if Kenny Pickett isn't a great quarterback and we kind of find that out mm-hmm. next this year, um, I would expect him to do better statistically than he was last year. Cause last year he was not good statistically at all. Mm-hmm. So I do expect a jump there from Pickett, regardless of if he's good or not. And that should translate for Frymouth, who only had two receiving touchdowns last year. We talked about a guy like Cole Komet last year with zero receiving touchdowns at the tight end position and the increase that he got. Yeah. So I expect Frymouth to do the same. Um, I'm expecting at least minimum five touchdowns from Frymouth. Um, and if he does that with the target share that he got, then he'll be very, very good at the tight end position. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I think he'll get way over five touchdowns. To be honest. Yeah, I mean that's I'm setting that as like the minimum. He only had two last year. And he had all those fantasy points. Ninety eight targets. Saddle up, boys. <laughs> I'm all in on Friar Moves. Um, no, you can't be all in on every Steeler player. That's all I'm saying. That's well, I'm not all in on every Steeler player. I like George Pickens a little bit. Um, all right. All right. And I don't think the Steelers are going to suck. I just think they're, they're mid. That's all. Okay. They're, they're like a, they're like a nine win team to me. Okay. Um, number four is Jordan Addison of the Minnesota Vikings. This is a guy we have talked about before, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on him, but um, obviously drafted this year, his main skill set and his main role is, um, you know, is that slot, receiver position he's kind of small um he's uh, a little bit twitchy so he's able to uh you know make some plays after the catch and and do stuff like that but he plays really well in the slot and that's the role that they are going to put him in he's basically taking the place of adam thielen and knowing how much you know just last year the minnesota vikings passed the ball um obviously you have a million and five targets um a million and five targets going to Justin Jefferson. Like I projected 185. I don't know what Rick projected. Um, um yeah, 183. <laughs> but so it's like he's going to have a lot of target share. But last year, um, they passed the ball 672 times. So you know, obviously, if you have one guy with you know 180 targets, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, you know, last year. Adam Thielen in 17 games had 107 targets. So if, if, you know, a rookie comes into the, into the, you know, season takes those vacated targets uh, from Adam Thielen and gets like 110, 115, 120 targets, he has a good base floor on a week to week basis to, um, you know, give you some fantasy points early. I don't think he has a massive, like blow up season where, you know, he can become really good, like, like a Justin Jefferson. But I think he's one of those slot receivers that can come in, catch 60, 70, 80 passes, provide a good base floor for your team and finish as a wide receiver too. Um, and if he does that for your team, he's going to be at a really good value for you. So, you know, like I, I would imagine by the end of the season, I'm going to be looking at Jordan Addison. And if he's in your flex, he's going to be one of those guys. You're like, I'm happy with this. Like I'm good with this production on a week to week basis. And I'm happy with this flex. Like I don't need to make any moves or change anything here. So I'm curious about what he's going to do early in the season. But uh, if he does assume that Adam Thielen role, I think there's success that comes for him. I mean, even last year, like obviously Thielen sucked. He only had, he had 70 catches and 716 yards. So like, you know, he's catching only like basically 10 yards a catch, which isn't great. Um, And then he still had six touchdowns. So it's like, you know, obviously being more athletic and a little bit, like better at this point in his career than, you know, obviously being younger and having more juice, 
I think Addison can can jump that from ten, you know, an average of like ten yards per catch to twelve yards per catch, still get those six touchdowns and and end up putting up like a hundred and eighty to two hundred fantasy point season. So um, I think there's a ceiling. There's a you know there's a good floor for Jordan Addison, and then there's a decent ceiling for him as well. I just don't think he's gonna be a wide receiver one year one. Um, so don't expect that. But ex- you know that's the expectation for what um, you should. That's the expectation you should have with Jordan Addison if you draft him. Yeah, and he's going as pick eighty five right now. So it's not like you're drafting him with high expectations. He's most likely going to be on your bench or your flex spot. Um, which is fine. And I, I do think he, he might start slow. And I, I've brought up in the past the Justin Jefferson comparison of what he was as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And his first, I want to say, two or three games, he really didn't do anything. It was his first two weeks, I think. And he didn't play a lot either. Like he was a wide receiver three. Um, I think, yeah, his snap percentage was 54 and 69%. And then week three was his kind of breakout game against the Titans. He had 30 fantasy points. 78% snap percentage, his targets went way up. He only had three in the first two games, and then he had nine in week three. I think we could see something like that with Addison. Obviously not at the same level mm-hmm. as Justin Jefferson, but we might start off slow. We might see a lot of KJ Osborne first two weeks. Um, but then I think I think we'll get to a point in the season where Addison is the clear number two guy. And at that point, he's gonna really start being very productive on a week to week basis. And I think you're right. By the time we get to like, you know, week 10, week eleven, week twelve. And we're really in the heart of the season. You're going to be looking at your team and you're going to see Jordan Addison consistently put up solid week after week numbers for you. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be really happy with that at your flex. I think what, a comparison is like maybe Brandon Ayuk's rookie season as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly. And I think Elijah Moore was similar. Um, those guys have started pretty slow and then they went through a stretch. Like Brandon Ayuk is a rookie from week seven mm-hmm. to week. 15 he missed two games because of injury yeah but from that stretch so the first seven weeks of the season he only had like two good games he had 21 and 13 Mm. but he had four he had seven he had nine and only had like three targets from week seven on he had 17 23 19 20 21 23 or 22 so like he was consistently for like the next six for like a six week stretch yeah putting up about 20 fantasy points a week i think jordan addison Maybe not at that level, but who knows? Could be uh, could be looking at something similar. The slow start is a real possibility for these rookies. We talked about it mm. on our last show with Gibbs um, at the running back position. I think Addison has a possibility to do the same, but he, I think he's going to be really, really solid as the season goes on. Yeah, and if you want, if you also take a look at you know what, like Adam Thielen back in the day with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. You know, the production. You can even look at last year. You can even just look at last year. Yeah. But like, um, you know, he he's the type of player, Jordan Addison, that can put up, you know, if they give him enough target share, he can put up, a, you know, an over 90 catch season. You know, I don't I, I don't think that'll happen this year, but I think in the future you could see that. So, you know, and it might happen towards the end of this season, like Rick said, where, you know, things start to break on. Um, and you know, it starts slow, but then midway point, it starts to click. That's usually how it works for rookie wide receivers. So like the fantasy finish on the end of the season might not be great, but you want to have this guy by the time the second half of the season floats around. Yeah. Um, so I've been drafting Jordan Addison. It's a little bit of a stash play, um, but we'll go with it. And then the final guy we have is Antonio Gibson, another running back a little bit later that you can kind of stash and see if there's anything left. 
in Georgia. Like Antonio Gibson, he's broken out, not broken out, falling apart, come back, been good, then falling apart again. And like, this is it. This is the final ride for, for Antonio Gibson for me. Like if he doesn't end up being good this year, he's just going to suck. But to me, I look at the situation for the Washington commanders. Obviously you have Brian Robinson there. He's going to take like 200 carries most likely. Probably, um, yep. And Gibson's probably going to be somewhere in the vicinity of 160 to 180. If I had to guess, um, so when I look at Antonio Gibson, you're not getting him for the rushing, you know, ceiling. Realistically, you're going after him for his his pass catching ability, and you know, just last year, even though he didn't have the greatest season in fantasy football, he was still targeted a decent amount um, in his last season with the Washington Commanders. So um, last year he had um, what was it? He had 46 catches last year for 353 yards and you know he didn't put up a great season he had 11.1 points per game the season's past he had 14 and 14 but if he increases pass catching um as a part of his workload and he gets up to 50 catches and he's he's able to hit 170 180 rush attempts on the year and be slightly more efficient in this new offense with um Eric Bieniemy uh, you could get, you could see him getting back into that running back two conversation and have success there. And sometimes in fantasy football, I've been in leagues where you know, like I always, you know, Rick and I are all all about the super teams. We like to, we like to build them. We like to get all. We want our RB one at our running back one position. We want an RB one at our running back two position. We want a wide receiver one at our wide receiver one position. We want a wide receiver one at our wide receiver two position. We want to stack. And uh, yeah. sometimes. People win leagues that just get consistent crap play on a week-to-week basis from randos like Antonio Gibson, where they just get a steady 12 to 14 points a week. A couple years ago, Damian Harris, when he was running up, running in for all those touchdowns in max rookie season, the person that won our home league had Damian Harris as their RB2. Yep. Steady as she goes. So I'm not saying you should have Antonio Gibson as your RB2, but what I am saying is if you can draft him and he ends up being your RB2 or provides a good base floor because of his receptions, then, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have some decent uh, production at that position. And then like, obviously if you get to that point in the draft and you need a second running back, you can do that. But, um, I don't expect any more breakouts. This is kind of like Miles Sanders last year for me where, you know, I don't think he's going to break out, but I still think he's a value on a football team that's going to use him a lot. So, and Miles Sanders finished as an RB one, didn't he? Uh, did he? I think he was close. RB fifteen. Yeah. So RB two is is what you're hoping for with Antonio. It's a high end RB two though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna make a real argument for Antonio Gibson. All right. Okay. I all right, think he free. has scarred you, and he's I am, I'm and that's fair. I've been. And that's totally fair. But let's look at his numbers for a second. His rookie season and his second year, he was an RB1. His rookie year, he was RB13, but he missed two games, right? So he plays those two games, he's easily an RB1. 2021, he's RB12, not a bad season. Maybe a little disappointing because we were expecting like a top five season out of him, Mm -hmm. but still not bad. And then last year happened and the Brian Robinson stuff happened and Gibson was kind of thrown to the side. But by the end of the season, last year, Gibson was starting to get some production um, before his injury. And he, he was starting to get that snap percentage up. But the big thing with him was the receiving, right? He had a career high 58 targets. Yeah. They traded 
Um, I think he tore his ACL or they traded him or something. But J.D. McKissick, right, he was always the receiving back with the commanders. He's gone. It is Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson in that backfield. I think Brian Robinson will get more carries. But, again, similar to Gibbs and Montgomery, similar to Aaron Jones and A.G. Dillon, I think Gibson is the pass-catching running back there. It's not like he won't get carries. He still had 149 last year. Yeah. In the preseason game where the commanders played their starters for a full half, um, and th- Antonio Gibson had three catches on three targets. Brian Robinson had nothing. And Brian Robinson had five carries. Antonio Gibson had four. That, to me, seems like Gibson is going to get used. Gibson also had a receiving touchdown in that game. Sam Howell. One of the reasons... Um, Sam Howell. Some people like Gibson. Is Sam Howell actually dumps it, dumps it off to running backs a decent amount? I saw a stat that like in the preseason and last year's game combined, or it might have been him in college, but he threw to the running backs like eighteen percent of the time, Whoa. which is a pretty high number. Holy crap! Hold on a second. Oh, we got this. some. There's. What's up? I saw. I'm, I'm going to do some math here. Okay. We got That's some 93 targets to the running back position. I mean, um, Gibson's not going to get all of it, but I'll tell you what, he'll get most of it. So, okay. I I think I think Antonio Gibson has a real role here. And again, his ceiling is capped. Yeah. We're not talking about yeah. the RB1 Antonio Gibson anymore. We're not talking about the breakout, as you said. But this is the guy who's getting drafted as like the running back 30-something. Yeah. Like RB31 or something like that. And even last year in a bad year, he was RB27. It's the Mike Williams thing to me. Like, you're guaranteed to get, to me at least, Mm -hmm. um, value at your pick, to me. And I think that alone, he should be a target. Uh, And I think he's a really solid RB3 or top of your bench kind of guy. Yeah. um, That you can plug and play at your flex or your RB2 any given week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. We got uh, we got more time here. Uh, well, yeah, we, we're all right. Um, all right. Uh, just give me quickly some uh, some strategies that you look at for uh, rounds eleven to fifteen. Some of those later rounds. What do you typically try to do? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm looking at um, obviously if you can find a value on an older guy, I'm fine with that, right? For me, like a guy like Damian Harris at running back, I think where he's going is a pretty good value to pick 141. Yeah. So there's there's going to be some guys that are values, but overall we both agree here that we're looking with upside. We're looking for guys that we can take in the 12th, 13th round and end up crushing it and getting in our starting lineup and or even becoming great trade assets, right? Mm-hmm. Some guys that will just exceed their expectation. That's usually younger guys. That's usually breakout guys. You know, a guy like Sky Moore at 128, uh, maybe even Devin Archain or Arcane, or however you want to pronounce his name, at 127. Uh, Rashad Bateman at 136. Mm-hmm. Um, some people would even say Rashi Rice at 143. Uh, so th- there's some guys. I- I'm not as crazy about this guy, but you know maybe you are. I don't dislike him, but and it's the type of player I would take a player on. But maybe Romeo Dobbs at 153. Just going down the list here. So players like that, players that you could draft, stash them on your bench. They're probably your fourth or most likely your fifth wide receiver or your fourth running back um, that you don't really have to worry about putting in your starting lineup, but you can stash them on your bench and hope their value goes up. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are good, 
um, are all good suggestions. I think for me, it, it really depends. You know, usually there's there's some quarterbacks here that you can take too. Um, True. This year, there's not. <laughs> generally, maybe speaking. Kenny Pickett. Maybe Kenny Pickett, if you want. Maybe Sam Howell. Uh, you, you like yourself. Uh, I'm a gonna Sam Howell. It. You're gonna do it. I know you're gonna. Dude, do I'm it. telling you, bro. He's gonna. This is the. I, if bro, he starts what is a with you season? and the Commanders? You should know by now. <laughs> I don't like their team. I'm just saying, if he starts a full season, yeah, he's going to get a lot of rushing okay. yards. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And if he gets a lot of rushing yards, that's going to up his fantasy total. That's all I'm saying. So, um, how many rushing yards do you think? Let me see what I projected him at. Because Pickett can match. I think he's going to rush more than Pickett. Or at least he'll be close. At least he'll be. I have him at four rushing touchdowns and almost 400 rushing yards. Yeah. I think that's that's a decent rushing floor. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I just and I think he has. I don't know if Howell's going to make it out of the month of the season. In his one start last year, he started week seventeen. He had thirty-five rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, but either way, uh, sometimes I take a shot on tight end. Seems like the tight end market's kind of low too this year. But realistically, yeah. the main strategy that you want to take between rounds eleven and fifteen is that you know everyone does dumb things in the draft. You get to the draft party, you get to rounds 11 and 15, either people are drunk or they start getting stupid, and they start making decisions in draft for guys like, you know, uh, Darwin Thompson, like four years ago, and draft him in like round 13 because they think he's going to end up being good. And don't do stuff like that. That doesn't like, that's dumb. Go deep diving for the. Right, there's a difference between a deep dive and a breakout, I feel like. like. Or a guy with more upside. So like when when I go into the later rounds, there's two guys I'm not looking at. Guys that have to like go above and beyond and leaps and bounds and have to like break through a ton of thresholds in order to make it onto the football field. And then old men. Those are the two boxes that I kind of avoid in the later rounds. What I want is a young guy with upside. And so, like Rick was saying, like I take a look at the Chiefs. Rasheed Rice is one of those guys. Um, you see a lot of like Sky Moore is not in this area anymore, but he was. Um, but you could say, you know, Sky Moore was in that vicinity. Um, you know, there's a lot of different players that you can go after that are younger. Like, you know, if you're not into Khalil Herbert, you know, take a look at Roshan Johnson in the later rounds. So yeah. There's a lot of different younger players that maybe the second guy on their team, like a second running back, or maybe the third wide receiver on their team that could take some steps forward um, and and move forward as the season goes along. But I just try to avoid those old guys and try to avoid guys that just have no chance of playing time um, and, and see if you can get some players. And typically, I like to target offenses that are going to be good. So, like, I'll take a look at, like, the – you know, a teams like the chiefs or the, you know, the bills or somebody like that. Like one of the guys that's not a bad 14th, 15th round selection, Khalil Shakur, um, for the bills, probably not, not going to do anything this year. Probably um, but if you're talking about a 15th round selection, that you're probably going to drop after week one or two, like draft them, see what you got. You know what I mean? See see what's there. And if, if something ends up happening week one, something random like, you know, 10 targets, 
And it looks like he could be, you know, that's something you can either deal after week one or hold on to and see if it develops into something further. So, um, you know, just stick with the young guys that have some potential and, and go from there with those selections. Like you don't have to, you know, overdo it because more than likely your depth is going to be between runs, you know, seven and 10. Um, and that's ultimately going to be the depth pieces that you get on your team. Whereas the later rounds are just shots, you know, and I like to take as many shots as you can to see if, you know, you can get some good players on your team. So anyway, any more thoughts? Um, no, I think that's it. Okay, cool. That's five players to target in the late rounds, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, please leave them in the comments. We have one more final mock draft to get through uh, before yes, we end off-season and draft-season content. And next week, we'll hop into week one. We'll talk to you later, guys. Bye. See you. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the FF Champs.